Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com. Uh, I, I want to jump into our series. This is going to be the conclusion of our series on the Holy Spirit. Now, if you didn't know, we've been in a series on the Holy Spirit called Ghost Stories. And uh, you saw that on the screen uh, because most people's understanding of the Holy Spirit is a ghost story. It's something that freaks them out, something that, that kind of scares them. And uh, if you've missed any of the previous two weeks, I would encourage you to jump on our podcast, our website, the app, and listen to the last messages because these all build on each other. So I'll review a little bit, but we got to move forward. We got a lot to cover today. And so just jump back and listen to some of those, and uh, I know you'll be blessed. So this is Ghost Stories Part 3. We're going to go to Acts chapter 19. It's been our text for the series. It says, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Now, I found out about three different responses that people have to the Holy Spirit. One is that they don't even know that there is a Holy Spirit. Two is they don't want to know that there is a Holy Spirit. We call these leapfrog Christians. That means you read, read, read until you don't understand something or don't like something, and you jump over it and go to something else. It's, it's, you make your Christianity really comfortable because you just find the parts that you really like. Okay, That's not what we do here. God's more concerned with you getting to where he's called you to go than being comfortable where you are right now. So sometimes he'll push you, and for some of you coming to this church has been that. It's like, well, this is outside my comfort zone. Like, they're loud here. People talk. People stand up during the preaching. People like, ah, oh, what is this? So this, this right now is outside your comfort zone. Then, pastor started a series on ghost stories. And we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Now I'm really uncomfortable. Hey, I just want you to know this. You need to take it at your own pace. And, and, and you just be responsible for you and your own passion. But I will say this. It is good for us, especially spiritually, to be outside of our comfort zone. Anytime we're stretched we grow. So if you've been stretching already today, you're like, oh no, I came today and they're talking on the Holy Spirit and you're getting like freaked out. It's okay. All right. Uh, the, the wild thing is the Holy Spirit has a branding problem. And we've made the Holy Spirit into this super eerie, creepy thing that takes you over. And we've been demystifying the Holy Spirit. This is in essence the, the thesis of what we've been saying. God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. So we could have forgiveness of sins. But God so loved the people that then said yes to Jesus that he sent the Holy Spirit to help them walk through life. Isn't it a lot less creepy when we just say people needed help so God sent the Holy Spirit to help them? Isn't that way less creepy than the Holy Ghost has now arrived? Cue the fog machine. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a we need to demystify it because God loves you. And because he loves you, he wants to help you. That's why we have this boat on, on the stage, is that when we get saved, we get in the lifeboat that is Christianity. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you put up your sails to catch the wind of the Holy Spirit. You can be saved, and you can be in the boat. But to move forward, to really get to the places at the speed that God wants you to get them, you need the wind, which spirit translated in the Greek and the Hebrew is wind. 
So you need the wind of the Holy Spirit. So people don't know there's a Holy Spirit. People don't want to know there is a Holy Spirit. Or they've known the wrong thing about the Holy Spirit. How many of you heard of some people that have known some wrong things about the... Don't raise your hand. Yes, sure. um, you've heard some wrong things about the Holy Spirit. You've heard some ghost stories. And maybe that's been your experience today, and that's okay. Uh, my assignment to this today is to really demystify something that has creeped you out. It's to move you forward in the thing that God gave you because he loved you. Loved you so much. Well, I can take Jesus, but that Holy Ghost, whew, I don't know. God so loved you that he sent Jesus to forgive your sins and the Holy Spirit to give you strength to walk through this life victoriously. That's, that, that's it. That's it. The early church, when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, a couple things happened. When they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, they received new power to do signs and wonders. You find this all over the New Testament, is they receive power to do signs and wonders. They receive boldness to be a witness. You see this everywhere. As people that were once timid and cowardly, now all of a sudden are full of boldness and courage. So they receive the Holy Spirit, and they receive power to do signs and wonders. They receive boldness to be a witness, and they spoke in other tongues. Now, as if this couldn't get weird enough already... We're talking about the Holy Spirit, and then I said the T word in church. It's like, this is 2018. We don't do this anymore. We don't talk about this. This is something we want to leapfrog over. But if you look at every account where people are filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, minus two in the book of Acts, they include the experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues. Now, we, what we've been talking about, and I'll explain it in a second, so just take a deep breath. Ushers, lock the doors. Um, it, take a deep breath. I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, that made it more creepy. It's like, oh, no. Tongues and they're locking the doors. Uh, we talked last week about the Holy Spirit really being practically, it's your sport mode in your car. It is the ability to greater access. You can drive just fine without sport mode, but sport mode just gives you greater access to a speed and to a potential that you didn't have previously. That's what the Holy Spirit is in on your life. And you can live without sport mode. That is okay. You can be saved without sport mode. That is okay. But you need to know that sport mode is available. The Holy Spirit is the sport mode on our natural life. It's just natural living. The, the, the Holy Spirit is the sport mode on that natural living. Now, Jamie and I, my wife, we, we just celebrated 11 years of marriage. And, and when we went on our first date, I'm going to tell you about our first, our first date. And um, it, it, I was, I'm kind of a romantic. Like, I like to really, like, you know, I'm, I want to plan it out. Like, we're, we're going we're gonna to do this right. Jamie's not so much. We're kind of like opposite. I'm like the woman in the relationship. She's like the man. And um, I'm like, you brought me flowers. I'm just joking. I hate flowers. Um, so I'm like planning this day, like I got it, I got it all, because she's been in Thailand, we've been, work, we've been doing this long distance thing, that thing wasn't working for me, like I, I'd like to, you know, actually see her without a screen, okay, you know, like actually in person, like have a face-to-face conversation, so she came, it was our first day since she came back from Thailand, and so I was like, okay, this has got to be good, so we decided that we were going to take my jet ski out to the lake, and there's couple reasons why we were doing that. One is because it'd be fun. She loves the water. She loves jet skiing. Two, it's the first date we want to break the ice, you know, and if I drive crazy, she's got to hold on tight and just works, okay? And um, <laughs> so, so we went out, and we we're on my jet ski, and we're cruising around, just us and the lake. It's beautiful in the northwest. Summer, it's not 135 degrees like it is here. It's like 
78 at the peak of the day. It's like, oh, it's beautiful. And so we're cruising around. We're having a good time. And, and so we stop for a little while. We're just having some conversation. It's good. And she goes, hey, uh, Dustin, let me drive for a little bit. And I'm like, eh, you know, like, it's kind of like my baby, you know, my jet ski. It's like, I don't know. Have you driven before? And she's like, yes, I've driven jet, jet skis before. And I'm like, all right, well, okay. So I'll get on the back. And then I'm like, well, that worked out anyways. And I'm like, I'm going to hold on tight because I don't want to slip off. And, you know, and um, it's nothing weird, just holding on. And um, so, so we took off. Well, I didn't know that she, like, had driven jet skis, and she was crazy. So she proceeded to try to throw us both off the jet ski, in which she succeeded. And sh we both flew off. I came up out of the water, and I'm like, oh, this is amazing. Wow, what a day. You're amazing. Like, you just threw me off the jet ski. You're really cool. And, and, and I look over at her, and she comes up out of the water, and all I see is blood. And I'm like, I should have been concerned about her, but the only thing I could think about was telling her dad. I didn't, I didn't even know if she was all right yet or not. I'm just like, oh, man, first date for real? And, and, and so she comes out of the water, and she's like, woo, that was great. And I'm like, you look like something out of a horror movie right now. She's like, what? And I'm like, um, you may have scratched your face. She did not scratch it. It was sliced. And so she gets on the jet ski. I get on the jet ski. We have nothing to, like, stop the, the bleeding. And so I'm jumping off, and I'm like, okay, wow. All these thoughts going through my mind. And so I, I go to start the jet ski. Click. Nothing. We're in the middle of the lake all by ourselves. We're on the jet ski. Her face is bleeding. Click. Click, 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 click. Then I'm praying in the Holy Ghost, like you've never heard before, because I'm like, oh, Lord, please, don't let us drown out here and, uh, or bleed to death. Like, and, and so I'm praying. I'm paddling with my hand. If you've ever been on a jet ski, this is not very effective, but I'm trying. I'm paddling, trying to get us to shore. And, and so I get in there, and the engine eventually, like, I got a connection right. It starts up. We go. We go to the ER. She has all kinds of stitches on her face. And if you see her to this day, don't make a big deal out about it, please. She has a scar underneath her eye, and um, that's from our first day, which she doesn't mind it, so I don't mind it. I'm kind of like, yeah, you know, like, you always remember me right there. It's like, that's, that's me. It's my first day. It's awesome. What's, what's interesting to me is that I think that, that many of us, when we get onto Christianity, we jump onto the jet ski of Christianity, we jump into the boat of Christianity, and when we hit crisis, we need power, but we don't want to take power the way that it comes. The way that, the, the way that God empowers the church is through His Holy Spirit. But a lot of us, we're on, we got crisis, we're in a storm. Maybe you came in today and you're in a storm, you're in a crisis, and all you got is click, click, click. It's because to engage the engine, the propelling of your own life, you have got to have faith to receive the power that God sent, and that is the Holy Spirit. It is His Holy Spirit. I think that there's some things that, that, that we need to kind of establish about the Holy Spirit, and I think it'll kind of help us, because sometimes to know what something is, you have to know what something is not. So let me tell you what the Holy Spirit is not. The Holy Spirit is not weird. We say this all the time, the Holy Spirit is not weird. People are. Yes, they are. The Holy Spirit is not weird. People are. If you don't believe it, just go into ministry. The Holy Spirit is not. I love you. I love you. Love you too, Wiley. The Holy Spirit is not weird. People are. The Holy Spirit is not uncontrollable. 
This is a myth. People think the Holy Spirit's uncontrollable. It's just going to take me over. It's going to make me say things that I don't want to say. It's do things I don't want to do. The Holy Spirit is not just for some. It's not just for some. We've established this in our other messages that the Holy Spirit is not just for some. The Holy Spirit is not a sign of spirituality. Just because you operate different than me or I operate different than you, it doesn't mean that I'm more spiritual or you're more spiritual. We all love Jesus. We're all in the boat. We're moving forward. And I'm going to tell you this. Everybody has their own pace. And I've seen people that love Jesus more than I do that don't speak in tongues and aren't sure about the Holy Spirit. The only thing they don't know is the only way they got saved was by the Holy Spirit. But I don't tell them that because it's not a sign of spirituality, but it's the truth. And we, we, we can love Jesus and have different beliefs even we can have different experiences and so whatever stage of life or christianity that you're in know that the holy spirit is not just a sign ghost story series not a sign of spirituality it's not made up holy spirit is not made up it's mentioned over 800 times in your bible it's not made up tongues are mentioned powers mentioned boldness is mentioned signs and wonders are made it's not made up it's it's in there the holy spirit is not those things let me tell you what the holy spirit is The Holy Spirit is for today. It's for today. If you remember this, a couple weeks ago we read in the book of Acts, it says this promise of the Holy Spirit is for you. It's for your kids, your kids' kids, all who are far off, and all who the Lord mark. See, the writer was trying to help us because he knew that we'd have people that are in our day in 2018 that said, well, the Holy Spirit's just for then. Well, the Holy Spirit is just for today. Okay, let's just, let's just take that. Well, he says, for you and for your kids, your kids are not today. Kids are tomorrow. Like years. Not just your kids, kids, kids. That's another. And then, all whom our Lord our God will call. That's pretty inclusive. The Holy Spirit is for today. Even if we don't understand it, even if we've had a bad experience with it, the Holy Spirit is for today. The Holy Spirit is biblical. Mentioned this already, it's all over our Bible. The Holy Spirit is a gift. It's what's promised by God to us as believers. It is a gift. We'll read this later, but it's actually a gift given by the Father. John 14, John 16, Jesus says, It is better for me to go. And if I leave, then I can send the gift that is the Holy Spirit. It was a gift. Isn't that that interesting that what we reject at times because we don't understand it is a gift that God gave to us to help us have the life that we want to have. It's a gift. The Holy Spirit is supernatural. It is supernatural. It's not natural. That's why it's hard to understand. It's supernatural. The Holy Spirit is available to all. It's available to all. Well, for those radicals, they have the Holy Ghost. No, it's available to all. You can be be not radical and still have the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? Because the Holy Spirit doesn't make you weird. And the Holy Spirit doesn't make you radical. If you're radical before the Holy Spirit, you will be radical after the Holy Spirit. It might give you boldness that you didn't have, but it's not going to make you all of a sudden be a different person with a different personality and make you stand up at Tom Thumb and start prophesying over everyone. It's like, you know, you're just just like worried, you know, walking around. It's like I've been in this ghost story. I've been praying for the Holy Spirit to show himself to me, and you're just walking around like, Lord, don't let it happen. It's not going to happen. It's, it's not going to happen. He, he is, it is not uncontrollable. You know, 
In Acts chapter 10, verse 44, this is an interesting uh, scripture. I'm going to read it to you, and then I'll explain it. So it's going to kind of like scare you for a minute, but then we're going to explain it. Acts chapter 10, verse 44, it says, While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. Now, sometimes I'll emphasize different words to help prove the point of who this is for, okay? Because there's a lot of persuasions that say the Holy Spirit's not for everybody. Now, it's difficult because you have to be a leapfrog Christian to be able to believe that because it says, While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell fell on yep yep fell on all who heard the word and the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the holy spirit was poured out even on the gentiles for they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling god now I just want to hold up just one for a second one one second the jewish people really believed that jesus the messiah was only for them but it was only through, really, Paul that began to preach to the Gentiles that they, that, that they came to the revelation that Jesus was not just for the Jew, but Jesus was for the Jew and the Gentile. If you're not Jewish, you're a Gentile. So it's not just for, for the Jewish people. It is for everyone. Jesus was for everyone. Then that same argument happened again with the Holy Spirit because now the Holy Spirit came and it came on the Jews. So they thought the Holy Spirit was only for the Jews. But in Acts chapter 10, Peter's there. He prays for them, Gentiles. They receive the Holy Spirit. They begin to speak in tongues and they say, this is, this is wild. This is in your Bible. I'm not saying it. It's saying it. It says, they knew it was the Holy Spirit. How? How? They, they heard him speaking. In, they saw their boldness. Doesn't say that. They saw their incredible witness. Doesn't say that. It says they heard them speaking in tongues. Now, I know for some of you this is like a lot, but this is what your Bible says. This is it. Did you know that back in the day, if you were going to buy a car, uh, like you could like pick, like, did you want an automatic or a manual? You know what I'm talking about? Some of the young people don't even know it. Like, like a stick, sh- like, uh, you actually have to change gears yourself, okay? This little device in the middle, and, 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 and so, you, like, you had to pick. Some of y'all remember that. Like, you, you get to choose. Now, it's just, like, included. It's automatic. It's expected to be automatic. Do you know that, that most people's beef with the, with the book of Acts and the Holy Spirit is that it doesn't clearly define what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is every time it's mentioned? But it already defines it in Acts chapter 2, and in other times it actually speaks to it, and even Acts chapter 10, it alludes to it again. But people say, because they didn't actually say tongues, it's not included. No, it had to be defined the first time. But now it is what it is. Five out of the times, five out of t- five times in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit falls on people. Three out of the five, it clearly defines people speaking in tongues. The other two times are not that people did not speak in tongues, but they didn't have to ask if it was automatic or manual. They said it's the Holy Spirit. Did you know that that my car has a horn? It does. I didn't even ask for it. It's there. It it just, it just, it has it. I I didn't like buy it and say, hey, just just want to make sure like uh, you never, you never like said in the description it had a horn. It's like, yeah, the horn's included, bud. Like, oh, Thank you. See, when the Holy Spirit came, tongues is not the Holy Spirit. A manifestation is not the Holy Spirit. It includes these things, but it is not those things. So every time the Holy Spirit is mentioned, and did you know, every time I say whatever kind of car you have, I don't, you got a Toyota Tundra, and it comes with da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. It's like, I got a truck, bro. Chill. It's like, well, I just want to make sure everybody knows it has a, it has a horn, it has turn signals, it has a gas pedal, it has a brake. Has a, I want to make sure they know. 
because you know what it has. When people hate, Holy Spirit haters, like talk about the Holy Spirit, they like to point to different things where the description is not included to say that it was never included. Do you know when you include the description? The first time something happens. In biblical interpretation, it's called the law of first mention. And once something is set in Scripture, it becomes an unchangeable pattern from then on forward. And these things are already established. I want to give you another one, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. This is the, the chapter. 1 Corinthians 14 is Holy Spirit haters' ammo against the Holy Spirit. Now, this is something that you have to know about 1 Corinthians chapter 14. It is written to the church at Corinth about their corporate gathering. They're saying, let's talk about church. What Paul is talking about is talking about what happens in church. It says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves but the one who prophesies edifies the church. This is what Paul is saying. When you're all together, speak in English, so people can understand. And when the lost come in that don't understand the Holy Spirit, make sure that they don't come in here hearing you say, should have bought a Honda, Kawasaki, Suzuki, Yamaha. Like, it's, they, anybody seen the key to my Honda? Uh, it's, like, that's not, they, they want believers, unbelievers to be able to come in and hear Prophecy, which encourages and builds up. Paul speaks of two things. He talks about the gift of tongues and the grace of tongues. The gift of tongues is for the corporate body, has to be interpreted. The grace of tongues is a prayer language. It's personal between you and God. So we are careful in our corporate gatherings how we teach and how we instruct. And you're not going to hear in a Sunday service someone shouting out in tongues because we believe 1 Corinthians 14 says that we have to give preference to people who do not, so it's better for us to speak in English when together. Now, I'll tell you this. When I'm sitting up here and I'm getting ready to pray or getting ready to preach, I'm praying in the Spirit, which means praying in tongues. Now, I'll show this to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 14. It says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. He's saying that if I, if I, if I do, that means it's a choice. If I, if I do, it's not going to take you over. It's a choice. Praying a tongue, my spirit prays. It's saying that, it is, that when my spirit prays, it confirms that tongues is praying in the spirit. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit in tongues, but I will also pray with my understanding in English. I will sing with my spirit in tongues, but I will also sing with my understanding. This scripture is saying that this, this in, in our corporate gathering, everything you read in 1 Corinthians 14 is about the corporate gathering. It's saying if someone speaks up in this, then it needs to be interpreted. If not, they need to be quiet. Later in the chapter, it says they need to speak to themselves and to God. That's how it, that's how it defines this. Now, I know for some of you, it's like, whew, this is really serious in here. Okay, just take a deep breath. Oh, it's like, it, it's okay. But I want to give you a couple things that the Holy Spirit does, and I think this will help you. The Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, being full of the Spirit, it is warfare. It's warfare. 
Ephesians chapter 6 talks about the armor of God. And many, every, I mean, Christians love the armor of God. I mean, it is the most illustrated. It is the most prayed. It's like, I put on the helmet of salvation. Every morning when I get dressed, I put on the armor of God. Bless God. The breastplate of righteousness. I gird my loins with truth. I, I mean, it's like, people love the armor. They love it. And I believe, I believe that the armor is really important like all of it, right? I mean, if you have a shield, but you don't have a breastplate, if you have a breastplate and don't have a shield, if you've got a shield and don't have a sword, it's important that you have all of it. And most Christians would agree with this and say, absolutely, pastor, that's right. We've got to have the whole, i got my feet shod with the preparation of peace. i got all, the whole thing in Ephesians 6. And I just want to pull your attention to verse 17. It says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, verse 18, and pray in the sp- same paragraph, same context, same subject, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. The armor isn't complete until you're praying in the Spirit. Until you're praying in the Spirit. God gave the Holy Spirit to not just comfort us, but to complete us. I can think of so many times where I have been in a situation, a struggle, a storm, and I have been in my car worshiping, and I'm praying in the Spirit. It's warfare. It's warfare. It is war- I'm praying. I'm connected with God in a way. You know what prayer is? Prayer is connection with God. Praying in the Spirit is you praying in connection or in unity with the Spirit of God. It is warfare. It is also empowering. Praying in the Spirit or being full of the Holy Spirit is empowering. Jude, verse 20. My son just looked up. Jude 20. He says, but you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith. We love it right there, right? It's like, let's build each other up, Pastor. Oh, I love that. But you can't, can't leapfrog. It says, and praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. You are made up of body, soul, and spirit. You're a three-part being. Your body, your flesh, your soul, mind, will, and emotions, and your spirit. The spirit is the part of you that connects to God. We, we spend all kinds of money disciplining and ministering to and building up our body and our mind, our will, and our emotions. How much more important do you think it is for us to build up our spirit. The Bible says that this is the way that you build up your spirit. Specific temptation been tough for you? You need to build up your spirit. A specific struggle that you can't seem to get through, someone you can't forgive, someone, an offense that you can't seem to get over, you need to build up your spirit. It is amazing what happens when we grow and build the Spirit. God gave the Holy Spirit to strengthen and equip us for the assignment that He's given us. Lastly, it's personal. It's warfare, yes. It's empowerment, yes. But it's personal. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, I love this. It gives us the picture of a sailboat because it says do not be drunk with wine which leads to debauchery but be filled with the holy spirit in the greek this picture is that we're in a sailboat and it says be filled with the holy spirit most of us we think this be filled with the holy spirit means fill up the water bottle to the top it's full have a christian experience i'm full be at a great revival service 
I'm full. It's not what it is. The picture is us in a boat, sailboat, with the sails up and the wind filling our sails. You ever felt out of breath spiritually, worn out spiritually? You need the wind of God, the breath of the Holy Spirit. I know some of these words can be cliche and, and really can kind can, of can like put you on edge. Like, what are we talking about? The spirit means wind. It's the wind of God that blows your life, that fills your sails. So do not be drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but be filled consistently, continually with the Holy Spirit. Let Him fill fill the sails of your life and direct you and protect you and propel you. This is what the Holy Spirit does. He is not there to scare us. He is there to help us. He is the scent of God. He is the gift of God to each and every one of us so that we can carry out this life that we live in. God gave the Holy Spirit to be wind in our sails, to propel us through any storm, and to lead us into the life He has designed for us. It's interesting, many people, and when I talk about uh, the Holy Spirit and talk about even if we mention speaking in tongues, I'll tell you this personally for me, even as I'm preparing this series and I'm beginning to teach on these things, it's easier for me to be a leapfrog Christian as well. Because we got many people that already know, so it's great you know. We got a lot of people that don't know, so I'm like, let's just not rock the boat. But I would do you a disservice to not show you the button for turbo. I would do you a disservice to not show you where the sport mode switch is that you have access. Whether you use it or not, that is totally up to you. And there will be zero judgment on you if you use it or not. But you got to know where it is. And my assignment is to show you where it is and what it is. And when you engage it, what it will do. And it is our prayer that you would make it your prayer that the Holy Spirit would fill you, would transform you, would change you, would show himself to you. Because I don't know about you, but I need something more than my natural mind, my natural intelligence, my natural in- intellect. I need the power of the Holy Spirit. I need the wind of God in the sails of my life. I can't do it on my own. I can't make it on my own. I can't think it up on my own. Have you ever hit a storm so big and so violent that your own ability can't get you out of it? God knew you would. Well, why do you Why did he let it it happen? He didn't let it happen. He knew you'd be in it. So he sent his Holy Spirit. God, take the storm away. He said, I sent your spirit. God, take the storm away. He says, I'm trying to give you strength to get through the storm. Yeah, but I don't like it. It's creepy. Spooky. It's like people say ghost. Don't like it. I'm giving you fresh wind in your sails to move you forward. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, Paul, very humble man, he says this, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Like, like I said, so humble. Uh, I can't even imagine like saying that, like, hey, good morning, church. Like, I just thank God that I speak in tongues more than all y'all. How you doing? I mean, it's, that's, what, that's what Paul says. He says, But in the church, corporate gathering, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 in a tongue. 
This is where people have problems on both sides of the pendulum, right? Over here, you got the Holy Ghost crazies. And they're like, oh, don't tell me. Don't, 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 you, quench, don't you squinch the Spirit of God. Let me pray when I pray, how I want to pray, when I want to pray. Okay, well, Paul says it better, it'd be better if you just kind of and spoke five words that someone could in, interpret or someone hear in their own language and be encouraged. And then you got people over here that are like, see, Paul said it's better to speak in English. Ha ha, gotcha. It's like, no, that's not what he said. He prefaced that by saying, I speak in tongues more than anybody. Then he said, but in the church, in this corporate gathering, while we have all kinds of different backgrounds, denominational backgrounds, experiences, all that, let's come together and love Jesus. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 28, it says, if there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and should speak. Now I want you, this is where the Holy Spirit haters say, oh, he should keep quiet, got him, got him, got him. He says, but he should speak You can't be quiet and speak at the same time. You should speak to himself and to God. The Holy, when you pray in the Spirit, it edifies you. It builds you up. And there's nothing wrong with that. You're going to eat lunch today. It's going to build you up. It's going to edify you depending on what you eat. No pressure. The Holy Spirit edifies me. You know that people, the thing I hear all the time from people that come visit our church is, Pastor, how did you know what I was going through? That's what people ask all the time. It's probably the number one question I got. That, I felt like that message was straight to me. I felt, you know why that is? Not because I know what you're going through, but because this is not just a cookie-cutter gathering where we try to download the latest message off Google and try to give you some good thoughts and inspiration. This comes from your pastor, your pastors, leaders that get before God and pray in the Spirit. Did you know that probably 95% of the message that I preach come out of a place and a time where I'm praying in the Spirit? Thoughts begin to come in my mind. I begin to write them down and begin to put something together and say, oh, look at this. Okay, God, this is what you're speaking. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know... Why would you feel like I did? Because it's not me. It's not Pastor Steve. It's not any speakers that are coming. It's that this church is committed to the entirety of the Word of God, which is that we have to operate by the Spirit of God. What we're doing is we're in this boat, and we recognize that the only power that we have is the Holy Spirit's power that, that directs this thing. I'm not, I don't want to be aimless. I don't want to be just moved around by every person's criticism or everybody's opinion or what's popular. I want to be directed. And if I can have my sails up, I'll be directed wherever God wants to lead me. That's the number one thing I hear about our church. The number one thing I hear about being baptized in the Holy Spirit, being full of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, all of those things. This is the number one thing I hear about this. Well, Pastor, I was taught that that's the devil. Anybody ever heard that? Don't raise your hand. Um, it's the devil. I mean, I mean, hundreds of people I've talked to. That's, that's the devil. If you're speaking, in, that is the devil. I want to read you a scripture that I think is going to help you, and then we're going to close. I, I know many of you think, like, what's, how's this service going to end? He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He talked about tongues. Like, what, are we going to be here till 3? Uh, no, we're going we're gonna to end like normal. My job is just to expose 
where sport mode is. And then you do whatever you want to do. You take it at your own pace. I'm praying that you'd have the courage to just, just try it. Just, just give, it a, give it a shot. Luke chapter 11, verse 11 through 13, it says, Which of you fathers... This is just a pretty extreme example, but I want Jesus was like making sure that we got this. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? It's like the worst joke ever. It's like, Dad, can I have some fish? Snake, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> or if he asks for an egg, this is worse, we'll give him a scorpion. Dad, I'm really feeling like a boiled egg. Here you go, son. Ah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> he says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven, and we stop right there. Oh, God gives good gifts. What is his gifts? Don't take it from me, like read it for yourself. What's it, what's it say? More will your Father in heaven give. The context is not even God giving good gifts. The context is only God giving his Holy Spirit. So when you ask for the Holy Spirit, would he give you a demon? When you ask for the Holy Spirit, would he possess you? When you ask for the Holy Spirit, would he take you over? Make you Beelzebub? It's a demon in the Bible. It came to my mind. It's funny. No. No. He's a good father. The only reason God wants you to have the Holy Spirit is not so you can be one of those Holy Ghost crazy people. He wants you to have the Holy Spirit so you can be empowered to walk through your life and through your days and make your decisions and, and teach with power and lead businesses with power and preach with power and encourage with power. He's saying, you're doing good. I'm going to show you this last thing. You're doing good. You really are. You're doing good. This is where most of us are. Is the Holy Spirit is available, but we don't understand it. We're not sure about it. So this is how we look. God, I really need your power. Just hit myself in the mouth with the mic. Just might have chipped a tooth. I need your strength. I need your ability. I need, and God's saying, yeah, you, you have sails. And I sent wind. Yeah, God, but... Man, i got to get to church. Ah, there's kids. And he's saying, would you put up your sail? This is what we need. We don't need more straining. We need more sailing. We need believers that will lift their sails and catch the wind of God. Catch the wind of the Spirit. We need to be empowered to be and to do everything that God's called us to be and to do. We need to lift our sails. Come on, stand up with me all across this place. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com.